Welcome to another episode of Nerds Amalgamated. Um, thanks for joining us again this week. With me, I have the DJ. Hey, how's it going, guys? Okay, that's just got the creep factor going there. Um, <laughs> I apologize to our listeners that he sounds like he's a wannabe 70s porn star. We promise he is not outside your window looking in at you. He, he doesn't have a moustache and pool gear. <laughs> he doesn't have much hair either. And so the other can person, tell he's not from the seventies. I don't know; he could be from the seventies. But um, the other person you can hear there is the professor. So, how are you Hello. going, professor? I'm going all right. Just all right. Yeah, had Such a bit a... of a slow day at work. Falling asleep at my desk almost. Oh, sounds like a perfect and then someone day. Someone breaks everything five minutes before I'm due to leave. Done. Um. Well, first up, I've got a um, story about a. Extra large unmanned submarine. So I don't know if you guys have seen this article at all, but Boeing are not just making planes, they're now making submarines. Well, I would make a uh, Malaysian air joke, but is it too soon? (laughs) Not for me. I probably would have laughed at it the day after it happened. (laughs) No, no, no. This one is actually Boeing or is it an Airbus? I can't remember. I think it's Uh, Boeing. It's probably Boeing because Airbus is struggling to stay afloat. Boom! <laughs> Pun intended. But, um, yeah, no. Um, no, this is actually intended to go underwater. So are they so, going to paint that submarine yellow? No, it's unmanned, so there's nobody living in it. Yes. Do you, do you see a beetle on board? I wish there was. Really? Which one? Ringo. Why? Because it's Ringo. Like, he, he, he's... He's, he's awesome. Yeah, but Ringo likes trains. Okay, who loves subs? Who, who likes submarines? I think that was Paul McCartney. Because he sunk? No, because he literally wrote the song. Uh-huh. And I wouldn't say he sunk because he's worth how many hundreds of millions of dollars? He's still got albums coming out. He's, yeah. But anyway, getting back to on topic here, apart away from the ridiculousness of that, um, yeah, Boeing has been awarded a contract by the US Navy to build four extra-large unmanned underwater vehicles, or X-Loves. So, yeah, no longer is it just the American Air Force that are using drones. It's now the US Navy. Although I don't like the fact they're calling them orcas. Yeah, orcas are cool. There's no recorded attacks against a human by orcas. In the wild. Oh, okay, I was going to say in, in captivity there was one, but okay. In the when you said in the wild, there, yeah, fair enough. Wait, mm-hmm. they had. Oh, wait, I think. Wait, I swear they had one. You shouldn't swear. It's naughty. We told you that last week. But um, yeah, the design is it's it's a combined diesel electric um, drive system, and it's expected to be able. I did read how many months at a time that it'd be able uh, to work at sea. It doesn't seem to say that. It just says it can run alone for months, but it has a range of six and a half thousand nautical miles. Okay. I thought it must have been they reckon it's, um, they reckon it's going to be inexpensive, semi-disposable, but um, the current contract is for 10 million bucks per boat. 
Wow. I wish I could afford to throw that away on a semi-disposable thing. Um, well, you know, the U.S. Navy spends how much on a missile that it shoots? Yep. I'm going to start a charity for missiles. <laughs> All of that computing power. They make it, they put it in the missile, they launch it off at some camel, and they blow it up. It's just inhumane. Exactly. But it gets the result, right, in terms of firing, um, firing off to, to its intended target. Yeah, and hitting you with a paddle um, prod might get the result, but we don't do that, do we? Um, well, actually, they don't always hit the target. That's the problem. <coughs> um, the Raytheon's Tomahawk missile is $1.4 million each. Whoa. So, yeah. Um, and they don't always hit the target, which is the reason why when the, the Allied forces invaded Iraq, they had to have the Australian Navy using a normal gun to shoot a shell through the window of the Harbour Master because, one, it had to be accurate and it had to be a low-velocity impact. And the Australian Navy was the only one who actually was able to hit, hit, hit a target with a... Um, standard gun and all the navies that were there. So with this um, big extra large um, submarine, mm-hmm. um, how many tons of pressure is it going to hold? They said. Do you mean the maximum operating depth? Yeah. Um, well, was... the prototype is 11,000 feet. Yeah. And That's it has a... an internal cargo volume of 2,000 cubic feet with a maximum length of 34 feet and a capacity of 8 tonnes. That's a lot of missiles. Well, that's if it's carrying missiles. See, this is the thing. They could use this as resupplying as well. Yeah, they say it has... um, It can... The Echo Voyager can support external payloads. So you could load it up with your bags of ammo and stuff, swim it behind enemy lines and drop them off to your seals. Mm Mm-hmm. And you could actually possibly even have the seals sitting inside in the cargo bay. Yeah, that's um, actually a thing they already do, but it is a uh, manned, controllable sub. Yeah, but I was thinking this is for the longer voyage, getting the, getting the seals, the teams in closer. They could have used this and then um, be deployed from inside the cargo bay with their uh, little vehicle, little sub, because uh, it's got an eight-ton ca- cargo capacity. Right. They could have extra air tanks and so forth. So it's a submarine inside a submarine. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's how they already get there is inside a submarine to get their little submarine there. It's submarines all the way down. But no, I'm, I'm liking the look of this because the more they start investing into this sort of technology, the better it's going to be for science because they're going to be spending more money on deeper submersible unmanned vehicles. So we'll be able to see what's happening down at the bottom of the ocean more often. What's going to be interesting is how, um, whether, um, life form, whether, whether life forms such as whales and will be capable of attacking that sub. Why would they? I mean, uh, I was going to, uh, my brain just fired. Um, they, they could probably attack it already. It'd be more a matter of is the sonar going to be causing an effect on the whales? which is something that there's a lot of contention about with the U.S. Navy, where in their major operating areas there's huge issues with the uh, maritime wildlife. Because whales can be territorial from what I I recall. 
Well, it's not even that. It's just that the sonar blows out their... Um, Affects their, their sensi- sensitivity. Yeah. yeah. It's basically running up to someone and screaming in their ear. Mm. It's also, um, with some of the things, that some of the testing that they've done has resulted in um, mass beaching of whales. So, mm. yeah, it's... I'd be more concerned about that. Whales don't attack unless they have to. This thing isn't making any overt aggressive moves. Then the whales and all that are just going to look at it and go, hmm, okay, more garbage from the humans. <laughs> well, they plan our downfall. Yes. Oh, um, Professor, you were saying about an orca attacking a, di- um, a person in the wild. There was actually a story, but then... It was basically an orca dragged a diver in New Zealand below the ocean surface for more than 40 seconds earlier this month. And while the local media ca- uh, ca- characterized... Um, so this was 24th of February, 2014. So it wasn't this month. Yeah. Well, it was this month, like five years ago. Yeah. But it was the 24th of February, so it wasn't earlier this month. It's in the future, five years ago. Uh, so it... Mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways, um, so local media characterized this harrowing incident as an attack while m- many people who work with the orcas are not so sure. Uh, the orca just like, wanted to play. It's like well, one case in millions and millions, and I reckon orcas are probably like most marine animals. They, they'll take a taste of you, but they're not going to hunt you. Plus, let's be honest here, it was a kiwi. <laughs> well, no one would spit that back out. Like, it's probably, just, if anything, it would just be getting revenge for all the times that they've eaten the relatives. So, <laughs> go to Japan, Orcas. Go to Japan. <laughs> yeah, that's one country. If the, if the whales do decide to attack, is going to disappear. So, have they come up with names for the submarines yet, or are they? Well, they haven't been built yet, so that are. And even when they are, I don't know. Don't think they'll be releasing that sort of information anytime soon, yeah. just because of the sensitivity of what it is. If yeah. the class of them is actually going to be called orca, the first one will traditionally be named uh, orca, and then the rest will have other names. The submarines, yes. like nuclear subs, have state names. Yeah. Um, aircraft carriers have like generals' names. I think they have There's city names a... as well. There are city names yeah. as well, like the. I think those are for diesel subs, though. Yeah, it, or it's, it depends if it's an attack class or a missile platform or and that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, they probably won't even they 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 won't probably be named the Orca class. It'll probably be something else that'll be classified for a while. Because all you all you get until they actually decommission a sub, it it'll eventually get out, and you'll just not, you'll know the class. But until they decommission a sub, they don't tell you the name of it. Makes it harder for spies to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Okay, guys. So I've got the uh, conventions for submarines for U.S. ships. So battleships by law were named uh, for states, except for the USS Kearsarge. That's the BB five. Your submarines are either given a class letter and number, as an S-class submarine, or the name of fish and mar- marine mammals. But um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm just enjoying the fact that there's 
some new toys to play with. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Um, It'll be fun to have these in armor. I'm just looking at the fact that like something like this could be used for scientific research. Like you think about building underwater habitat. This is your delivery system for taking down building materials. An eight-ton payload, an extra That'd be pretty cool, extra um, cargo hooks on the side. That's you're able to take a lot more down in a more controlled manner, and then transferring materials from the surface to the to the bottom into the habitat for ongoing research. And then if they, everyone has to bug out because of something, I reckon climb into one of those to get across to another submarine to survive. Like, yeah, like let's look at the positives of what these can can do and bring to the world. But moving on along to the next subject, um, Professor, you've got something about unions? Is it unions or onions in the gaming industry? Absolutely onions. I want to talk about games that make you cry like you're chopping onions. <laughs> I thought it was going to make you slip over like the bunnies onions. Because <laughs> there's been lots of slip-ups in the gaming industry lately. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. Like uh, the layoffs at Blizzard that we talked about last week. Yeah, and which have led, Yeah. Uh, actually, yes, that was... Um, uh, it's both of them now, actually, yeah. So uh, the labor organization Game Workers Unite wants Bobby Kotick, to, the CEO of Activision Blizzard, to be fired. <laughs> <laughs> so they're all going to go on strike? Um, I don't think they will be able to because they're not a true union. But they have put out a fairly nasty tweet about it. Upend- upending 800 workers' lives while raking in millions in bonuses for you and your C-suite buddies isn't leadership, it's theft. Mm-hmm. I agree is, with that. As I said, it was, that was the thing. They, they, they sack a lot of the people, so it makes the book work look good, and they get paid huge bonuses. Which is, as I said last week, a bit ridiculous, because just before they announced the layoffs, they announced record profit. That's what, that's what made the record profits. Even before they'd actually fired them? It was all part of the forecasting. They announced that that's uh, what the profit's going to be, and they knew that they were, they were already planning to lay them off, I reckon you'd find. What, what strikes me amazing about the layoffs is prior to the whole announcement of the profits and the, um, the job losses, how, how the journey of Activision in last year, for example, with uh, Diablo, the mess that they, that they created and how they were outsourcing so much of the uh, Diablo artists from Activision Blizzard to another company, from what I recalled. It's about the money. But uh, we've also got another article um, in the show notes this week. The AFL-CIO, which is not the Australian <laughs> Football League, it's um, a labor organization in the US, has also written to Kotaku with uh, an open letter to game developers. Basically telling them to stop burning out their workers and firing them once they're, they're done so you can make a bigger profit. Mm-hmm. But they've got, to, they've got to start being a bit more realistic in the manner of the, how they treat people. So Yeah. I, I don't know, man, because that's, that's a problem. Yes, they do. They need to be realistic. But the business world is a ruthless game, though. And that's why we have unions, to protect the people who are getting screwed by the business world. And there's a misconception. Like they talk about the resources of the company, and but they don't look at 
they, they talk about human resources, but they don't look at it as a finite thing because you've always got another generation coming. But that knowledge, yeah. there's, there's always a knowledge gap when you bring a new employee on. And so, yeah, it's just this constant drain. And we're now looking at the fact that the games industry is producing pretty much a plethora of the same garbage, garbage yeah. from, a, from pretty much all the studios, which is, hey, let's go look at the car industry, which is doing the same, and, oh, crap, it's failing in America. Hmm. Let's look at the gaming industry. Same nonsense, and it's failing, except for the bosses at the top who are getting paid millions of dollars. Same as the car industry. Um, not a realistic approach in management terms. Here's a good solution, though. If the business fails within five years of you being CEO, you are fed into a meat grinder. Yeah, but I'll, sounds but interesting. Be, but they'd be classed as murder. No, they're not. It's not murder. They're not humans. They're money grabbing bureaucrats. I reckon there needs to be more of the Japanese approach to business, where they got the. Uh, is it the CEO of Toyota, I think it is, or Nissan, actually rides a, a bus or the train to work? And, uh, oh, sorry, what's his name? Iwata, the CEO of Nintendo, cut his own pay so that his employees wouldn't lose their jobs. Yeah, like, yeah. there's this, it's just ridiculous. Like, these guys try to make it so the company succeeds and doesn't, and everyone's able to survive and then the americans turn around and they just they just screw everyone over and that's their approach but okay here's a question for you so if they bring in the unions if they bring if they start a union movement in the games industry where should how much power do you think they should have as much as any other industry so you want total power well they don't have they don't have total power in any industry if unions had total power the Teachers' union wouldn't be outside government house every three months begging for a pay rise. Yeah, but then the allocation of funding from the if you if you bring in the union, the question would be allocation of funding for what? So for allocation exa- of funding to what? Like you 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 you're trying to do a scare campaign? Oh, I'm not saying it's stupid campaign. nonsense. Um, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's a scare. I'm not saying a scare campaign. I'm just trying that's to be what realistic. You, well, realistically, that's what. You, it is um, uh-huh. like the unions have helped make working in the modern society a lot better than what it was. When we go back a, a few, a couple hundred years, um, ten-year-olds and seven-year-olds were being employed in forced labour and working for up to eighteen hours a day, and literally more. working to death and falling into machinery and dying. Like, the unions are the ones that have pushed the drive so that we don't have child slave labour. We have weekends and time off. We have sickness benefits and health and all that sort of stuff. Uh, You have overtime and all that sort of thing. That's all because of the unions. And there's a balance between the unions and the employers, and it's a constant argument, but as long as everyone's aiming to do the right thing, you get pretty good thing. Like Japan has unions that look after the employees extremely well, but the companies do as well. Oh, that's true. 
That is actually true. The union movement is pretty pretty good in terms of. So if there's a if you have a com, a computer developers union that acts as a union, then you won't have it so that at the last week or two they have the massive crunch process. They will have to start organising themselves so that things happen more appropriately in a more pro- appropriately scheduled process. And you won't have it so that people are just being tossed aside and treated like garbage and only employed on contract. You'll have it so that people are employed properly. Yeah. Although the unions have been dropping the ball there because we've got such a massive uptake in uh, casual labour in Australia. And that's a failing model as well. So, The other question for the, um, with the unions is how, much, how strict will they be in terms of outsourcing as well? Well, you're always going to have outsourcing in any industry, but they can start pushing so that it limits how certain things are done. And company, like companies will have to start behaving more appropriately and realistically to their employees. Because you've got to remember, there's an ob- the obligation will flow both ways. As soon as the union's involved, there's an agreement that both sides have to abide by. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, so that's a given. Once that's in place, you, you're not going to have slackers that aren't achieving the deadlines because that means they can be sacked. So you're going to get rid of any of the deadwood, but the people that are working to a more realistic time frame will be able to keep working. Yeah. Then we've just got, them to, got to get them to give us better content and games. Yeah. Well, at least we've got the indies for that now. Yeah, I think yeah you you guys are right about the you, you guys are right. How, how do you think with with this whole game, uh, unions and gaming industry? Do you reckon it's going to be a big topic in E three coming up soon, coming up in a few months from now? No, no, they're not going to mention it. E three, E three is literally just look at my shiny new trailer. They'll probably mention it at GDC and uh, the uh, the other one I can't remember the name of right now. Uh, uh, CES. Those sorts of places where which are for actual developers and industry workers, but well, they're not going to bring it up at E three. But see, the thing is, it's like they don't talk about the unions at car shows, do they? No, not necessarily. No, they might say no, any- no, never. They don't. They don't. Okay. They talk about cars. They don't talk about the unions and what's going on with the unions. They just talk about the cars, and that's E three is. It's a game show, same as a car show. So it, it won't be a topic. Okay. Actually, here we go. Japan Airlines, um, the CEO pays himself less than the pilots and takes the bus to work. Oh, nice. So, yeah, like in 2009 when they had to begin laying off staff, um, the CEO cut his own pay to less than that of his pilots and eliminated all his perks. He now rides... Wow. Public transit to the office and eats in the employee <coughs> cafeteria and stands in line with his colleagues. Wow. So, um, yeah. Can you just post on the show notes, please, um, Buck? No, go get it yourself. It's your job. So, uh, how oh. much of a possibility? So, you guys reckon it's a possibility? Well, it's something game developers have been fighting for for like 15 years or more now. Mm-hmm. It's. um. Uh, not an easy battle, and I think part of that is that people burn out and leave the industry, and they get replaced by the next wave of fresh young developers just out of school 
who uh, get interested in a union then burn out and don't come back to that. Mm-hmm. So here's, here's a little bit of a mathematical thing for you to consider with it, right? Onboarding an employee for, at a, a wage of sixty dollars to $70,000 costs you $150,000. So and, and that's an actual formula that's used in human resource management. Um, there's all the bits and pieces involved, but, yeah, it's, based, it's a rough balance figure. So if you have to keep onboarding new employees at that wage range, that's how much it costs each time. So smart businesses don't burn out your employees and trash them and then have to get new ones all the time. Hmm. It's expensive and hard and eventually you get a reputation. Yes, and you end up with massive skills and knowledge gap and crap product. And one heck of a brain drain. That's literally what a skills gap is. Right. And knowledge gap. Um, But let's move along to something else. This is getting too morbid and grumpy. If you want to know more (laughs) about um, unions and socialism and anarchy and all of that, (laughs) check out our friends over at A New World Order. (laughs) (laughs) And if you want to learn about um, human resource management, um, semester starts next week at um, QUT, Griffith, I'm guessing new Q. I don't really speak to them because they're snobs most of the time. I shouldn't have said that. Because they've got sandstone. I don't know. I just, I've only, the, the, the few that I've actually dealt with when I was looking to study were snobs. So I shouldn't paint them all as snobs. My apologies, UQ. Um, but moving along, um, what have you got for us, DJ? So I've got a story about a new team of Avengers coming to the comic, hitting the comic books. It is known as the Savage Avengers. And this Avengers is an unsanctioned team of Avengers made up of Conan the Barbarian, Wolverine, Elektra, Brother Voodoo, the Punisher, and Venom. I'm sorry, were you trying to do all that in a dramatic voice? Yes, I was trying to be dramatic. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) Do not give up your day job. Sorry. I I, kind of thought that was what you were going for. Just, yeah. It fell really flat. Yeah, yeah, I figured. I Anyways, but um, but yeah, so Conan the Barbarian's hitting to hitting into Marvel Comics territory. So these are all kind of like antiheroes, aren't they? Well, yeah, yeah, pretty much. So what are they? Some kind of Suicide Squad? Oh my god! <laughs> <clears throat> oh no! Hang on, uh, you, you don't mean that they're copying DC again? No, <laughs> no, there's no crazy Harley in, in, in the Savage Avengers. Hang on, you got Venom. Yeah, but he's not crazy. He's pretty emo, though. No, no that I've only the... seen the uh, Spider-Man is... 3 movie. He is kind of crazy. No, I was thinking more of the Punisher. He would crazy. We also him. got Elektra. Elektra's a crazy woman. I've, 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 only, seen the de- <coughs> I've, I've only seen the Daredevil the... Um, series, Elektra's... and she's not that crazy. Elektra's, well... Electra's the um, Harley Quinn. Um, oh, no, no, no. The she... Punisher is the... Who, who did they have for the sniper and... Um... Deadshot. Deadshot. I thought it was Deadshot. So they got... The Punisher is Deadshot. Um, who was the Australian with the boomerang? Uh, Captain Boomerang. Captain, what's Captain Boomerang? Which is such a shitty name. <laughs> that, that'll be Conan. Like, hello, I'm General Sword. 
they have that too. Or I major think. pain. I actually with Electra, I wouldn't put her as Harley Quinn. I would put her as Katana. Um, for the Suicide Squad, they had one. Yeah. They only had one female, right? Oh no, no they two. had two. Yeah, no, actually they had three. It was Katana, um, Enchantress, and Harley Quinn. Okay. Well, so, Enchantress would be replaced by Brother Voodoo. Um, Brother Voodoo. Yep. Electra would be um, Katana. So it's either it's either Venom or Wolverine as Harley Quinn. Who are you? Are you going to say Wolverine is crazy or Venom? I'd say neither. I like well, in the in the Venom movie. Venom was like, the last one. He was pretty crazy. That kind of just leaves Wolverine to be uh, Joker, though, doesn't it? No, he. No, the Joker he, wasn't in the Suicide Squad. All uh, right. Uh, Wolverine would be either. Well, he'd be either Croc, Rick Flag. Oh, Actually, no, Venom's Venom's Croc. So okay. Wolverine is crazy. Well, it depends which one: the Berserker Wolverine, or the or the X Men Wolverine, or the. Well, it's Marvel, so they'll change them around at different times to suit themselves. Yeah. Then they'll kill them, and then they'll bring them back again. <laughs> but and then the... um, with all the other um, social justice and everything, the way that they keep changing things, um, the Punisher's actually going to marry Wolverine, and Conan's going to have gender reassignment. <laughs> and I'm not picking on any of the LGBTQI community, I'm picking on Marvel because there's some really strange things happening at Marvel. Well, the, sto- the story for this, the story for Savage Avengers is pretty weird in terms of the story itself, such as as they, the these team of heroes work to battle evil magic hailed from Conan's expansive universe. Huh? Yeah. So Conan has, trans- has, has travelled... From the Hyperion Age to the to Savage now. Land, yeah, to the Savage Land of all places. Like, do we really think that the world could handle Conan now? He's like Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you read the Conan books, he's already... Slain sorcerers, gods, demigods, witches. Yeah. I, do, you I really, can't... do you really think a bunch of, well, I can't even say metahumans because that's DC. <laughs> do you think a bunch of posers are really going to stand up to, to him? Like, honestly, this, is the, this was the solution they needed for um, the war against, um, what's his name? Big blue guy with the balls on his chin. Oh, um. Thanos. Yeah. Yeah. Conan would have just bitch slapped Thanos and sent him home without the gauntlet because it's shiny, so he would have stolen it. <sighs> like, haven't you seen Conan the Barbarian in the movie? He fought a giant snake and killed it to steal a ruby. So he can just, be- so he's barely, he's, he's just Arnold Schwarzenegger on steroids in the comics. Well, there's a reason why they got Arnold Schwarzenegger to play him in the, in the original movie. Yeah. 
Um, but according to Duggan, the uh, one of the creators of the uh, of the series, uh, the books the books about a problem that grows large enough that no longer something Conan can ha- handle himself. So he's he, to quote yeah. to, uh, to quote uh, to quote we envisaged a threat. A magical green zone where the evil wizards of Conan's world are trading. It spells. is literally Suicide Squad. <laughs> uh, let me finish, dude. Let me finish. Mm. All right. Uh, so, where the evil wizards of Conan's world are trading spells with the hand in Japan. <laughs> it's, 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 Sounds like someone dropped the soap in the shower, and this is what they came up with. <laughs> and he said, and, and to further and, and to further quote. Conan is on a very Conan-like mission. He heard a tale of an amulet, so he's chasing it. And, uh, okay, the- hang on, hang on, hang on. They're missing the major part of the plot here for every Conan story. Which is? Where's the girl? <laughs> All right, right, my bet. That'll my be bet. cross-dressing Wolverine. Or, no, or, or, or Electra. No. Nah. <laughs> oh, actually, maybe, because he like he li- one of his loves was a warrior princess. So. Oh, hang on. I said warrior princess. They're going to bring Xena into it now. Uh, although she was actually, no, actually she fit right in because did she turn lesbian with her, uh, with her sidekick in the series with Lucy Lawless? Oh, okay. I haven't heard that one, but okay. <laughs> I know that they, her and her sidekicks were, were taking baths together and, it was it was supposedly saying that yeah they were having a love affair. What happens in the bathhouse stays in the bathhouse. <laughs> but, uh, but this is this is Suicide Squad, and already they've messed it up. They're saying Conan can't handle it. That's completely uh, against the the whole ethos of what Conan the Barbarian is. Oh, you want to know the bit, the best part about this though? Like what you said. The biggest one is basically his interpretation, Conan's interpretation of the Ven- of the Venom symbi- symbiote when he sees when he first sees it is that it must be an evil genie. See, that's wrong there as well because it was it's it's the jinn, not genie, for in Conan. <laughs> if they're going to go with proper Conan law, like I I read these books when I was growing up. I I love the Conan stuff. Would you say this is a crossover though? I mean. I think this is a, I think this is a crossdresser trying to pretend to be a drag queen <laughs> after a, a bad hit of acid, and oh, lo and behold, it's actually Donald Trump. Like, seriously, this is this has got roadkill massacre all over it. Well, thanks for that mental image. I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. <laughs> and if Talia is listening, give us more. <laughs> because seriously, that's who's going to be directing the movie for this is a retard <coughs> like that. So you're expecting David Cage to come in and direct movies now, now that he's done with games? Well, they've got to get someone who's ridiculously retarded and inept to just take this to the next level of crapton. Like I like the idea of having all this sort of stuff, but saying that it's because Conan can't handle it. And so the wizards and sorcerers of the Hyperion Age have joined with the hand. They would take over the hand. The hand would be their bitches. I wish these people would just... No, are the hand the ones from Iron Fist? 
Yeah. Yeah. They're, well, they're, and they're all dead now. Oh, hang on, no, Marvel's going to bring them back. That well, in the Marvel comic universe, they are still alive, and I think is Kingpin is the boss of the hand. Yeah, Kingpin is no, the... no. Kingpin wasn't <laughs> the boss of the hand. He was being well, used by the hand. The hand was was a separate entity. I cannot begin to describe how awful this sounds. The <laughs> Kingpin was just Daredevil. In a second, I will find out for you guys. Kingpin and the Hand and Wizards, none of them even remotely thematically match up. Oh, uh, the Hand was with magic and stuff like that. It was sorceress and selling their souls to evil powers to gain power and ability. Because even in the Electra movie, they had a guy with tattoos that came to life. So he had birds that would fly around to spy. Okay, so the... Sounds like my Saturday nights. Okay, so the leader of the hand right now is Gorgon. That's right. Now, yeah, but see, they keep killing them off and bringing them back to life. Well, actually, that's something the hand does, but... Yeah. Um, somewhere in amongst all the bits and pieces, um, the hand was attacking New York, and Daredevil crushed them. That, they even had it in the TV series. Yeah. Actually, okay, so, yeah, the Kingpin was the leader... So mm. at one stage, so he said after Daredevil was possessed by the beast, and what? De- yeah, oh, I yeah. Marvel, what have you done? So base, okay. So long story short, no, no, so- no, 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 no. I think we should just move on because this is just getting sad. This long story short is going to be a ten-part series of podcasts. <laughs> all I'm going to, all I'm just going to say is, uh, Kingpin uses the hand as for criminal for his criminal empire. That's what well, I'm saying. Yeah, well, that's what I was really? saying before. He wasn't, he wasn't part surprise. of it. He was separate and outside of it. But moving along, mm-hmm. um, what game have you been playing, Professor? I've been playing Tetris 99, the tie-in game to Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Is it, does that mean there's going to be a Reno 911 Tetris? <laughs> no, but there should be now. So how is this a tie-in to Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Well, there's a nine and a nine, and there's the buildings in Brooklyn are kind of shaped like Tetris pieces. Okay, but where's where else is? Do you have the crazy characters out of Brooklyn Nine Nine? No, unfortunately not. It's a Tetris battle royale game. Okay, ninety nine men enter, one man leaves. <laughs> this is Tetris Thunderdome. So, in so other that- words, this is Tetris PUBG. <clears throat> yeah. So there's ninety nine players. You pick who you want to attack, and when you clear rows, it sends some um, rows to the people you're attacking. And the goal is to not fill up your box while outlasting the other 98 players. Okay, I can see this getting banned in China already because there's going to be toxic language and behavior, so it's going to be banned. <laughs> Absolutely, and there's not even a chat system, but you just know that the Chinese are going to find a way to do it. You will They're have violence like... all over, and they'll be cheating. I'm sorry, no, no um, better computer systems. <laughs> They're going to write out swear words in the Tetris blocks. <clears throat> Actually, talking about writing things, did you guys hear about the pilot? I think it was in South Australia. Oh, yes, I saw him he the wrote, other day. His, his flight plan was a series of um, man parts, and then he wrote out the words, I'm bored. Yeah, it was a, a three-hour like burn-in test. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. Impressive. Like, he's got to have sat down and figured this out. This is what I've got to do. 
to have this appear. <laughs> That's amazing how he just took the time just to go, yeah, I'm just going to fly. Sounds like a fun guy. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. I, seriously, this, this is, if you go look at the information, <laughs> go look at the story, um, it's an impressive amount of work he's had to do with the planning. So if the Chinese can actually do that in Tetris, I, I will, I don't know, I'll eat, a, I'll eat a box of ghost chilies or something like that. <laughs> but they've got to do it without cheating. Well, good luck trying, good, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, anyway, I really enjoy it. It's um, hooked me on Tetris. I never really got into Tetris before, but uh, it's got me hooked on it, even though I'm yet to get past uh, the final 30. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually getting quite good at it and looking into strategies and how to score higher points. Okay. Don't tell me there are already YouTube videos of that. Well, it basically just uh, old Tetris strategies. But I did find out that there's a classification system for each uh, version of Tetris because different um, different versions of Tetris have slightly different mechanics. Mm-hmm. So there's a classification system for which category each uh, <laughs> game falls into. Nice. So have you been experienced? Uh, so with the Tetris game, what's your highest? Ah, uh, well, in, in this in this one, I think. Yeah, like I don't know my high score, but I've gotten to uh, the final like thirty-five players. I think my best was thirty-three. Okay. Wow, that's amazing. Although once you get up to thirty, the uh, it's got the traditional Tetris music, and once you get up to thirty, it starts really flying. <laughs> yep, I don't want. I don't know what my um, high score is in the old Tetris because I got kicked off the computer. Ah, oh, nuts! I was, I was at, a, I was in an office where they had it, and they weren't supposed to have it. <laughs> and I, and I was sitting there because I was bored, so I, started, I was playing that. And yeah, apparently I did too good, so they kicked me off the computer. But it was basic. It, it was literally flying. I had. A massively high score. So what have you been playing, DJ? Um, I've been playing the same genre of games as The Professor in terms of um, Battle Royale. I, I'm continuing playing Apex Legends. It's it's a good game. It's still it's a good game. I know E3 has, has messed up these last few months. You mean I, EA? Yeah, EA. I was going to say, how has E3 done anything wrong with this? My mistake. It's, so it's EA. EA is messed up, but I think they've kind of redeemed themselves with this game. Um, so, and, I th- and the whole rumor about they're bringing in duos and solos, I think it's the du- we're seeing duos for now. I think solos might come in a little bit later. Does that mean they're actually going to have a storyline to a game again? Well, they had one in Titanfall 2, which is by the same people. Yeah. This is basically the Titanfall engine redone for Battle Royale. It's done okay. really well. It's done really well. Uh, I think it's got it's... a lot of the uh, the wall running and um, that sort of movement style, which is in Titanfall. Actually, I've, seen, I've just seen something there where they've copied um, another game. They've got balloons. Balloon? They're copying Guns oh, of Icarus. Yeah. Those are in Spider-Man 2. And Guns of Icarus. Wait, balloons? Yeah, well, you got key locations where you got to take the the strategic points. They have balloons up in the sky above it. I think you're talking. Go load up the link and have a look. I like the tree houses that we've got though. That's that's cool. Well, they're uh, either balloons or they're giant lollipops that are sitting a hundred feet up in the air. 
EJ, what link did you give him? I didn't give him anything. In the show notes, go look at the link to Apex. Oh, yeah. And scroll down, and it says the next evolution of Battle Royale, and it has like a pan around thing. What are those big red things that are floating in the air? It's not Cthulhu. It's not Casper the Friendly Ghost. Okay, I'm at the I'm at the next evolution of Battle Royale. Oh, those are um the strategic points that you have to capture. No, they're not strategic points. They they're launch points to going. So you have so you go up to one of those balloons. It it's a, there's a rail that attaches to the balloon. So you attach yourself there. It launches you up. To, and once you hit the balloon, you fly across to the next next part of the map. Uh, okay. It's yeah, so they're not really strategic points. They're just travel points. Okay. But, hey, Guns of Icarus uses balloons and so does Spider-Man. <laughs> God, I miss those old Guns, uh, old guns of Icarus game, game nights. We should bring well, them we back. We should have uh, an Apex game night, like we said last week. How much does yeah. this cost? It's free. Oh, download for free. But you have to use Origin, don't you? Yeah, you have to, it's, yeah, you have to use Origin. Unless if you, have, if you have a PS4, it's free. No, no origin account or anything like this that. This is a PC gaming group, DJ. Get out of here, you peasant. <laughs> hang on, hang on. It's you, not you just play PC, it. it's all gaming. Because I was... We've done Red Dead Redemption and Red Dead Redemption 2. And Professor, you pl- and you're playing with a Nintendo Switch. Yeah. Oh, talk about peasant. <laughs> hey, it's got good exclusives. You can't yeah. get games like that but, anywhere else. But, but Professor. But thank but, goodness for that with um, the E3 launch of Smash Brothers. <laughs> Ooh, you've gone quiet. I think that might be time for me to move along. Um, I've been playing Tentland, um, an interesting game. It's set as a, um, I can't remember this, Incan or Mayan, but... Yeah, you build up your civilization and go and attack barbarian tribes and other players and do what you need to do and while researching your technology. So So you get to so is it like so it's like Clash of Clans, I'm assuming? Um I haven't played Clash of Clans, so I can't say. A Clash of Clans has a similar mechanic as well. You build your own empire, you build you build defenses and stuff and multiplayer um Players online will try and attack your kingdom, kind of thing. Yeah, kind of like that then. Um, yeah, like you don't, like your your defenses are you build your army and you have a wall. Experience any any problems with it with the game? No, um, it's a bit slow. Like they got the um, microtransactions there as part of it because it's a free game, so that's how they make their money. But you don't need to spend money to enjoy the game and build up a sizable army and do your bits and pieces. It has a, but it must be an insane grind session for you. No, because um, you get your um, production happening so that it's like you're doing an eight-hour production. So you can log in a couple of times a day and, yeah, you have your resources and you can boost yourself through pretty well. The only limited to the amount of attacks you can do on other other players and so forth each day. So yeah, nice, nice. So have you destroyed any empires in your wake? Um, no, I'm. I just attacked the barbarians around me. I, I attacked a couple of other players, but yeah, generally I just 
I attack the barbarians and so the NPCs and just build the technology. My aim in this sort, sort of game is just to pursue the knowledge. Hmm, nice, nice. Should we check it out? I reckon, yeah. Give it. it it's it's not an action-packed game. It's more of a, a slow strategy build. Um, you got to research certain technologies and build certain building, like before you can build certain buildings, Station, and then please, the library will be closing. In you have to minutes. achieve all services. Um, it will close in. Fe- <laughs> well, DJ's yeah, DJ is just it. getting kicked out. Um, but you've also got um, you can change the weather and so forth. So you've got to have certain seasons avail- in effect to be able to do certain research to and to build certain buildings and so forth as well. So And the weather affects um, production of food and whatnot as well. So, yeah. yeah. And it's uh, ancient Inca and stuff. So that's a, a setting that isn't being, hasn't been used very often. No, it's... Um, and they've actually got, like, the, you've got the pyramid tower, like, palaces and temples and so forth so like you got a sun temple which is the center of your kingdom and you have a jaguar temple for recruiting your army um the it's um it's temple um things like that and they're actually the, the graphics in it kind of sim- simple in some ways but pretty well done at the same time like it's nice clean lines and yeah it looks very similar in terms of gameplay to a genre that's just been refreshed over and over for years, but it does sound like they've put some twists on it. Yeah, it might actually be worth checking out still. You've only got four um, resource types. You've got stone, you got, um, your quarry, which produces limestone. Then you have the obsidian mine. You have your corn farm and your cacao plantation. So you've only got the four resources available. So, yeah, like the, the whole concept is, as you said, it's <coughs> been rehashed, but the twist on it is refreshing. And if you want to save your army when you're about to be attacked, you just send them on a really, really, really long... <laughs> that'll take for however long you're going to be away and have them attack a level one barbarian village somewhere and then they come back and your army survives. That's not very nice, bullying the level ones. <laughs> well, the level one barbarian villages are the NPCs, so you have them going up into all sorts of levels. Um, the highest I've seen was a level nine, which I haven't attacked so far. I've only attacked a level four. Actually, sorry, I did attack a level six by mistake. I lost my entire army. But, yeah. What a tragedy. And you also get... Um, one of the class of troops you can recruit is settlers, so you can build extra cities and so forth. But yeah, I'm nowhere near that level yet. So it's a simple game, but yeah, you got to think about what you're doing with how you do it. But I suppose we should move along to our weekly shout outs. Um, this week we've got Thomas Alva Edison patents the gramophone or phonograph the first device to both record sound and play it back. He was awarded the US patent number 200,521 for his invention this day in 1878. On the, on the 19th of February, 1942, we have the bombing of Darwin, also known as the Battle of Darwin, 
and it was the single largest attack ever mounted by a foreign power on Australia. Um, 19th of February 2008, we have Toshiba announces its formal recall of its HD DVD video format and in the format war between it and Sony's Blu-ray disc. So many, so many format wars happen over the years. Yeah. 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 Beta and VHS. Yeah. VCD versus DVD. Hmm. Oh. Um, Remembrances. We have the 17th of February 2019. George Mendoza, the US Navy sailor, pictured in the iconic VJ Day in Times Square photo. Um, where he was kissing a complete stranger um, who reminded him of the nurses who had treated him when he was wounded and returning home. Uh, died of a congestive heart failure at the age of 96 in Middletown, Rhode Island. Um, that, was a, that was an iconic photo. Very iconic. And, yeah. And There's a cafe down the road for me that has it on the wall. Nice. And I hope that the people who went and sprayed graffiti and so forth on the statue of him on the uh, after on the day of his death or something or just after i hope they burn yeah especially since they... um i get the point they're making but everyone who has come forward to say that they're the woman who is be, being kissed has said that they were perfectly okay with it and she actually looks like she's quite enjoying it on the day um but yeah moving along um 19th of february 2019 um, Karl Lagerfeld, the German creative director, fashion designer, artist, photographer, character couturist who lived in Paris. Um, yeah, creative director for companies such as Chanel. Uh, uh, and t- up, well, from 1983 up until his death and lots of other bits and pieces. If you don't know the name Karl Lagerfeld, uh, you probably dress similar to myself. Um, and congratulations. <laughs> he died after battling privately with, privately with pancreatic cancer at the age of 85 in, and I'm not even going to attempt to say that because it's a French name and if I get it wrong, they, the French government will send someone to attack me. Although um, I was in, I, I, let the frogs come. No, 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 because <laughs> they'll think I'm Greenpeace or something like that. And we all know how that happened with the rainbow. <laughs> Um, the 20th of February, 1895, um, Frederick Douglass, American social reformer, abolitionist, orator, writer, and statesman, who, after escaping from slavery in Maryland, became a national leader for the abolitionist movement in Massachusetts and New York, gaining note for his oratory and incisive, incisive anti-slavery writings. Um, it's actually really quite impressive, his writing. If you ever take the time to go and have a look. Um, his second book, My Bondage and My Freedom, definitely something to, to read. Um, he died of a massive heart attack at the age of 77 in Washington, D.C. How big was his heart? Um, well, I would say probably his biggest far laps because he was a pretty good bloke with a lot of the and stuff. And it's a massive did. heart. We had a massive heart failure, yes, so yeah. I just figured it was something like that. We didn't want to be too disrespectful. Fair enough. Which is strange coming from me, I know, but um, 19th of... <coughs> we got we got birthdays now. 
Um, 19th of February, 1924, Lee Marvin, the American film and television actor, uh, famous for his roles in Paint Your Wagon, Cat Baloo, um, The Dirty Dozen. And, yeah, quite no- quite noticeable for his very distinctive gravelly voice and premature white hair. The only guy who could do the squinty stare better than Clint Eastwood could at the time. <laughs> um, 19th of February, 1943, Sir Tim Hunt, a British biochemist and molecular physiologist was born. He was awarded the 2001 Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine with Paul Nurse and Leyland Hartwell for their discoveries of protein molecules that control the division of cells. In particular, Hunt discovered cicillin, a protein in fertilized sea urchin eggs, which cyclically uh, aggregates and is depleted during cell divisions was born in Neston, Cheshire. I'll have to go read a bit about him. Um, 19th of February, 1957, Raymond Andrew Winston, English film and television actor. Um, most noticed, most known for his hard man roles, um, such as Carlin in the 1979 film Scum. He was also in the recent movie Sweeney as the head of the Flying Squad. Um, he was born in... Homerton, London. 20th of February, 1925. Robert Altman, American film director um, and writer, producer, and can't remember all the bits and pieces. He was involved in writing the scripts and so forth for MASH, McCabe and Mrs. Miller, and Nashville. Five-time nominee for the Academy Award for Best Director, and... Yeah, an enduring figure from the new Hollywood era. He was considered a maverick in making films with a highly naturalistic but stylized and satirical aesthetic. He was born in Kansas City, Missouri. Events of interest, um, 19th February 2002, NASA's Mars Odyssey space probe begins to map the surface of Mars using its thermal emission imaging system. 20th of February, 1952, African Queen, the film directed by John Huston, starring Humphrey Bogart and Catherine Hepburn, is released in the US at the New York City <laughs> Capitol Theatre. 20th of February, 1986. Here we go. One for the Professor. The Soviet Union launches its Mir spacecraft, remaining in orbit for 15 years, and it is occupied for 10 of those years. You missed out, Professor. There was five years you could have been up there in peace and quiet. That would have been so nice. Maybe if I ask nicely, they'll give me the ISS when they abandon it. Maybe we could share it. You have one side, I have the other. Okay. Um, 20th of February, 1962, Colonel John Glenn becomes the first American to orbit the Earth. Uh, actually, we should clarify, fix that up. It was the first American human. I have to say human because they had sent other apes up into space as well. <laughs> John was Glenn board. was no ape, though. Uh, he was a monkey. We're all monkeys, except the <laughs> DJ, who's an android. And I think that's everything we've got at the moment. Yeah, yeah, it's all good, all good. Um, yeah, um, so you've 
obviously found out where to find us on either Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes. That's Facebook. Yeah. Facebook. Uh, to listen to us. Mm-hmm. Well, we did see uh, this morning um, Hugh Jackman and... Uh, Sir Patrick Stewart. Sir Patrick Stewart, that's it. Got awards from the Guinness World Records for being the longest serving... Um, Marvel, Marvel characters, actors. yeah. Yeah, Marvel please. superheroes. Services have now closed. All right. Um, I hadn't seen that. So congratulations to two fine, outstanding gentlemen. And as the DJ's about to get locked in a library, we better wrap this up. You can find us. What's our email address? Uh, nerds.amalgamated at gmail.com. Um, where are we, Twit? Uh, at an amalgamated. And we're on Facebook at Nerds, Nerds Amalgamated. Send us a message and say good day. And that's Hubru from me. See you next week. See you guys. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.